What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. And today, I don't know if you knew this or not, today is actually Pentecost Sunday, and if and if you don't know what that means, it's kind of a, a big deal because literally today in Scripture was the day that the church actually started. It was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was the day that the message of Jesus through the church began to go out in a, in, in a powerful way through signs and wonders. And uh, we're going to celebrate that today, and it's a big deal because it's not just something that we celebrate historically. It's actually something that's real for today. The same Holy Spirit that empowered the early church is the exact same Holy Spirit that desires to empower you and the church today. And, uh, and I, and I want to get ahead of myself, but, uh, but we need to return to what the Holy Spirit is in the church for the world. So we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's good amens already, so that's good. That's a good sign. And uh, so uh, go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1. That's in the New Testament. It's the first book right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it's the book of Acts. And we're going to read a few verses in chapter 1. A little bit later, we have a few verses in chapter 2 that we will read as well. Uh, But I don't want to get ahead of myself. While you're turning there, just a, a quick update. My wife and our youth director, Chantal Brewer, are in Uganda, Africa right now and are having a fantastic time. They are checking out some ministries over there that we are praying about having a a larger connection with and impact over there. And uh, everything that we're hearing so far is absolutely fantastic and exciting. And so I can't wait until they get back, which is this coming Saturday, and we'll get to hear a little bit more detail about that and try to keep everybody up to date with it. But it's exciting nonetheless, and uh, because we didn't just start Convo Church only for here. We know that God's going to do something here, but it's going to go beyond here to, uh, to the nations. And that's something that I'm personally excited about. So, all right, Acts chapter 1, let's read. You can follow along with me. We'll have it here, either on your version Bible app or we'll have it up on the screens behind me. I'm going to start reading in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> Where is it? There it is. It says, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, speaking of Jesus, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. I love that right there. Verse 4, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave. Somebody say, do not leave. leave. He's given an instruction here. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he had promised, as I told you before. And the reason why they were in Jerusalem is because God had told them, go to all the world. So there was something that had to happen before they went to all the world. So they're hanging out in Jerusalem. Verse 5, John baptized with water. Speaking of John the Baptist, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Spirit. All right, here we go. Verse uh, verse 8, let's read this. It says, but you will receive power. Again, these are still the words of Jesus. But you will receive power. Not religion, not boredom. Not rules and regulations. You will receive power when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth, in Reno, in Sparks, in northern Nevada, come on, all around the United States and to the ends of the earth. you got to personalize it a little bit. 
<clears throat> Father, we love you, Lord. And I just pray, God, in the moments that we have today, I ask for your, your word to be illuminated in our life. And, uh, and especially when it comes to the topic of your spirit, Lord, and, and what it's supposed to be for the church today. I especially pray for those that are here or watching who come from a church background, Lord, that we would not filter your Holy Spirit based on what we have been taught and observed from other places, but we would allow ourselves to be open to what your word is telling us, who your Holy Spirit truly is, and the impact that you desire to have on us through the power of your spirit. God, for everybody else who would hear it and receive it, Lord, I pray that we would have ears of faith, that our eyes would be open to what you are communicating today to us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. Now, who here, who here loves to wait? You just love to wait all the time. You just, you know, you don't have anything to do. You just like to just sit there and wait for, nobody likes to wait. I had one person raise their hand at first. I told him to put his hand down. It's ridiculous. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. And, and so, and that's why nobody, this is my personal thought. I think that's why nobody likes to actually go to the doctor. Because not only do you have to wait, they have created rooms that are designed just for waiting. And they're called Wait, they name, there's no chance of not waiting. That's what it's called. And so that's why nobody likes to go to the doctor. But in our world, we got technology. Things are fast. And, and we no longer ride. Well, some people do. I know where we are. But some people, you know, we don't, we don't ride horses everywhere we go. We went from one horsepower to like 300 horsepower. I don't foresee that going backwards anymore unless cars keep getting more expensive. We might. I'm thinking about it. But, uh, you know, food wasn't fast enough. We, wanted, we didn't want to wait for our food, so we got fast food. And even that wasn't fast enough. So we got microwaves to cook it even faster. We got instant rice. We have rice that is literally instant. <laughs> Ready rice. Anyway, we have uh, phones and computers and technology that is right now like you blink and it's done. But a week from now, it's, it's taking too long. So it needs to be faster, right? Who here remembers dial-up? This is I'm talking like generational references right now. Somebody like dial-up, what, like, like? Dial somebody up? Nope. I mean, you know, that, to those who know, was the sound of the future. And to those who don't know, it just sounds like something's broken. And you would be right. And you would be right. But we don't like to wait. Now, so we, we live in a world where we don't want to wait. When we have to wait, we feel impatient. You go to restaurants, and the, and, and the, the server comes and brings you food. And what do they say? I'm sorry for the, the wait. It doesn't even matter how long you waited or not. They're like, I'm just so sorry. That when you spoke words, I wasn't just ready to give you the food. That you know, I'm just sorry that you had to wait. But then we have these other things that we hear, right? We, that, that some people even think is, is from the Bible. I'm going to tell you right now that this particular phrase is not. Good things come to those who, you're like, yeah, and you know, it's one of those Bible verses. It's not. It's not in the Bible. Because just because you wait doesn't mean a good thing is coming to you. I have waited for things that when they showed up, they were not good. So if you will, I, I want to take a little bit more accurate approach to that, to the, the, the heart behind that thought, and say it this way. And let's see if this, I'm going to try it on you, let's see if this works out a little bit better. Good things come to those who know what to wait for. Good things come to those who know what to wait for. And there's, there's intentionality within that. There's, there's a deliberate nature to that. So, so turn to somebody and say, hey, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You can, you can type it in the chat. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Love me like you. Okay, anyway. Sorry, my brain just, it just happened. It's a song. Some of y'all don't know that. 
If you look throughout this entire Bible right here, Old Testament, New Testament, one of the most consistent themes throughout Scripture and how God relates to humanity involves waiting. It involves waiting, waiting for God to come through, waiting for a season, waiting for answers, waiting for open doors, waiting for provisions, waiting for something to happen. And, uh, and, and I want to encourage you with something. There's no chance of God changing the way that he relates to humanity in the context of waiting. And I'll tell you why. Even though none of us like to wait, and I'll put myself out front, I, I can be sometimes one of the most impatient people when it comes to, like, I know what I want, so... Why isn't it happening or here right now? But like God's been trying to do something in me, so y'all can be praying for me too, trying to have patience for the waiting. But here's the cool thing that we need to understand. God is not up in heaven concerned about coming through for you. Does that make sense? He's not up in heaven and you're praying for a specific provision or, or you know, I need a raise or God, I need a job or whatever. He's not up in heaven pulling his hair out, wondering how he can scrape together the things that are needed to provide for you. And so you're waiting on God because he doesn't have what it takes. No, that's not how God operates. Whenever God is causing you to wait, there are multiple things happening at the same time, and they're all happening for your good. And not just your good, they're happening for somebody else's good. God is causing you to wait because he's doing something in you, he's doing something for you, and he's doing something through you. And I would venture to say and even argue to say that almost every time waiting is involved, all three of those things are at play. God is doing something in you. He's trying to develop something that isn't there yet. A lot of times it's patience. Nobody, I just want to warn you, when you pray for patience, like, God, I just struggle with patience. I just need you to give me patience. He doesn't sprinkle patience dust over top of you. He gives you scenarios where your patience is tested so that it can grow. All the parents said amen because then God gives you children and no. They're a miracle, they're a gift from God, it's in the Bible. <clears throat> but God's doing something in you, he's doing something for you, but he's also doing something through you. Man, how many times in my life has I pray, have I prayed for something and I was waiting and I was impatient and it wasn't happening and I was frustrated and I'm, I'm, I'm having conversations with God that are pretty raw and, you know, like, you know, I'm like, God, how come you're not coming through? How come you're not doing this? And then eventually at some point in time a breakthrough happens. And then at that point I'm able to actually pause and I look back and I realize that what, what I was waiting for, God was doing things in other people that were connected to what God wanted to do through me. Or there was something that God wanted to do through me that was going to impact somebody else. And so my timing wasn't the same timing as God's timing. And so the waiting of God is not about God trying to figure out what to do. The waiting of God always has to do with what is he doing in you? What is he doing for you? And if, if you can't even handle that, just think about outside of ourselves. What is God trying to do through me? Because when we become selfish about the things that we desire to see God do, we'll lose sight of that last one. We'll lose sight of like, well, what if God's doing something through me? And the reason God is delaying what I am praying for is because there's something he's setting up for somebody else. God's never going to be off in his timing. He's perfect. Now check this out. Romans 8, 28, I love this passage right here. Paul says, and we know, and sometimes I'll read things in Scripture and it makes a statement of something that I should know. And then like in my, in my mind, I'm like, I guess I didn't know that yet, but I'm just going to pretend like I did know that because Paul says we know. And we know that God causes everything. Can you say everything? everything? 
everything, that doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for question, right? God causes everything to work together. Well, probably not the bad stuff. No, everything. Well, not the stuff that like challenges me or frustrates me, not the stuff that I disagree with. No, it says God causes everything to work together for the good. You have to finish. Some people stop right there. God works all together for the good. Keep reading. Of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You got to finish the scripture. You can't stop short. You got to finish what God causes everything, somebody needs to let this sink in, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God has a purpose for your life. So the challenge here we have, our flesh is not good at waiting, let's be honest. Don't act like you are, you're not. God always calls us to wait through the seasons of our life. So, man, if we struggle with it, how come God would just always operate in that way? So here's the thing. We can either choose to be frustrated in the waiting or we can choose to embrace what God's trying to do through the waiting. Everybody has that choice. But you need to know that there is power in the waiting. Come on, what are you waiting for? That's the title of this message today. What are you waiting for? Sometimes I look at, I, I talk to individuals who are, who are kind of wrestling through and str- struggling through their relationship with God, and, and, and yet there is a hesitancy, there is a fear in individuals and in really stepping out in what Scripture says, like really going all in, really, if you will, to take our verbiage from our series we've been doing forever, send it, like, just send it, man, with God. Just send it. When, and when you're, you want to break through in worship and you see everybody going for it, but you're just, you're like, you're terrified. You feel like, what if somebody looks at me? Man, send it. Raise your hands. Clap your hands. Sing a song. Like, just do something because I guarantee you that what the breakthrough that you will experience in that moment is going to be something that unlocks power that you haven't experienced before. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yeah, we spent these last five weeks um, getting into a series that I, th- I thought was supposed to be a one-week message called Send It, and it's turned into, you know, this is the sixth week. And, uh, and I think it's been, for me, it's been good. I don't know if it has been for you, but for me, it's been good. I've been getting something out of it. But Jesus, the situation here is that Jesus had completed his task on earth, and he was getting ready to, the disciples didn't realize it yet, but he was getting ready to go into being arrested in the crucifixion, the resurrection. He knew that the end of his part of the plan on earth was coming to an end, and there was going to be a handoff where Jesus said, I'm going to go back to heaven, but the reason I have to go back is so I can send my spirit. And it's better for you if I go, because if I didn't go, then it's just me. But if I go, everybody can have my spirit. And so there was a transition about to happen, and, and uh, the disciples were about to kind of have a wake-up call, but they didn't know exactly what it was that Jesus said he was going to send. We're, see, we're kind of blessed. We have this thing right here where we can kind of read ahead, and we can kind of, we, we know, they didn't know the next chapter was going to happen. We can read the next chapter and see what happened. But they didn't have that. The, the disciples in this time had no context to really understand what they were about to encounter. All they had was a faith and their trust in Jesus that what he said that they need, the followers of Christ wholeheartedly opened up their hearts and said, all right, Jesus, if you say we need it, then, then that's what we want. We don't really know what it's going to look like. Jesus didn't say what it was going to look like. He didn't say even what the experience was going to be like. All he said is that you need to wait. You need to wait, which is ironic because he was just basically saying, send it. You know, that whole thing, which is like, don't think about it, just go, just go. 
You read, you read all the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they all have a, a, a variation of kind of the Great Commission. My favorite one is Matthew 28, at the end of that chapter. And, you know, and, and you kind of visualize that Jesus with his, with his followers right before he ascends back up into heaven. And, and it's just, you know, him and, you know, him and his disciples and he, you know, the Great Commission, hey, all authority has been given to me. And now go into all the world and preach. And I always envision as a kid, this is just me growing up in church, where he's, you know, he's got his big, you know, uh, white robe and his purple sash. And he's all of a sudden slowly beginning, he's slowly beginning to ascend as he's speaking, you know. And he's like, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them. And, you know, he's getting further and further away. And the guys are like freaking out, like, what's happening? And he's like, you know, and, and, uh, and, and remember to make this, uh, you know, he's just kind of like drifting off. And then, pff, he's gone. All right, all right. All right, ready? All right, guys, go. You know, and then they just, psh, to the nations. But that wasn't the very ending. Luke actually captures the ending conversation very well. Because before they could go, there was something they had to wait for. How many times in our life do we get ahead of things that we, that we are believing that God has put in our hearts? Or how, how often do we get ahead of the things that we even feel called to? Because we're not waiting for all the things that God says we need before we go. Sometimes I think in our own, like in this, you know, these, these last couple of generations have been very missionally minded. Like everything is driven by, and that's good. That's a great thing. That's a great passion to have. But when you don't have all the things that you need, you're not going to be able to go in the way that you want to go. You'll go, you'll stop short, you'll come back because you realize I was missing something for the journey. And God said, hey, yeah, I'm going to send you out into the nations. You're going to go to all the world. You're going to face persecution. You're going to have hard times, but you're going to see people come to know me. You're going to see kings bow their knee to Jesus. You're going to see people from all over the world come to know and receive Christ. But before you go, you need to wait because there's something that you absolutely have to have before you go out. So today's Pentecost Sunday, which is the Sunday historically where that happened. The church started on this day. The Holy Spirit was poured out on those early Jesus followers on this day. And the result of what happened on this day is that you and I are here today. I don't mean like our parents gave birth to us and we're here. I'm talking about as a church. I'm talking about as people who, who can love God and how God loves us and we're able to understand that expression that, that we are actually a part of the fastest growing movement that the world has ever known. And that, that might actually be contrary to what you hear. Let me tell you something, that the, that the message of Christ is going out bigger and faster than it ever has at any point in history. More people are coming to know Jesus every single day in our time than has ever happened in the history of the world. I think that's so important because we get told all the time, like, everything's bad, everything's terrible, the church is falling apart, the church doesn't have what it has, it's, it's, it's being taken over by X, Y, and Z, and I just don't believe it. Because the kingdom of God is advancing in victory. God is not up in heaven having strategy meetings with his angels wondering, guys, we didn't see this, we didn't see 2020 coming, I wonder what we're going to do with this. No, God has already accomplished a victory, so that means that you and I get to be Jesus followers, get to be a part of a church that is going to bring victory into our world, into our communities. So don't believe the lie that the church is falling apart. People are imperfect, and yeah, we're going to mess stuff up sometimes, but the message of Jesus is continuing to go forth all over the world, including our nation. It needs to go out more, but I'm telling you, we got there are good things that are happening. Can I get an Amen. <clears throat> So I think it's so important for us to understand when we have, when, we, when we're thinking about the context of the Holy Spirit, and especially, for example, if you're here today or even watching online and you come from a church background, 
you may already have a specific lens and even a specific comfort zone of what you are okay with when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit. Like I'm okay with the Holy Spirit as long as it fits within my understanding right here. I'm okay with you talking about the Holy Spirit as long as, it's, as long as it doesn't get crazy up in here because the Bible talks about order, which it does, by the way, but maybe not in the context that you might be thinking. Or I'm okay with the Holy Spirit as long as it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. Hmm. Again, we've, we've taken the Holy Spirit over the past couple of thousand years, and we've had some uh, church history. We've had some, some really cool moments. We've had some really, really bad moments. And we've, we've, we've added a lot of extra water to the Holy Spirit to make it diluted down, to make it a little bit more palatable for, for most people. Instead of the Holy Spirit being something that comes and brings radical transformation, and not just power, like power for having better worship in our church services, I'm talking supernatural power that actually begins to flow in us, for us, and through us to the world around us. If you continue to read, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm not going to stop. If, if we continue to read in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on those 120 or more uh, Jesus followers. They experience and receive something that was dynamic, something that had never happened before, something that, that caused such a stir and a ruckus. That's a southern word. I'm from Virginia. Such a ruckus that it began to attract people. Thousands of people began to pour towards the building where this was happening. And those who had encountered the Holy Spirit began to spill out of the upper room. Why? Because what happens in church shouldn't stay in church. What happens with Jesus shouldn't stay. That's why we got to get away from this lie. It is a lie to believe that your relationship with Jesus is supposed to be this quiet little private closet thing. Yes, there are moments that you have with Jesus that are personal and that are for you, but your relationship with God is meant to be a light that is set on a hill like a city so that everybody can see you shining bright for Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. But we've allowed this milk toast, watered down American version of Christianity to, be, to make us weak and to make this Holy Spirit, which is supposed to transform and change the world, to be something that we fold down, put in our back pocket, and pull it out whenever we feel like our salvation is in question. Woo! Mm. <clears throat> Holy Spirit comes to give you power. Somebody say power. Power to live. Power to serve, power to be a witness, power to proclaim the name of Jesus. That's not just the job of preachers and pastors. Our job is actually to teach you how to do it. You're called to be a minister. Somebody's like, I just need to talk to the minister. Look in a mirror. <laughs> Sorry, I just like breathed in that. Power to pray for the sick and see them recover. Somebody's sick needs healing. Be like, all right, well, let me just... All right, let me, uh, let me call a pastor real quick. Let me, get, let me get somebody who's qualified over here. That's you. You have, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Power to raise the dead. Well, let's just not get crazy. Let's not go crazy here. All right, well, like, what do, you, what do you find in here? What do you find in here? I just ripped a piece of paper. What do you find in here? Power to raise the dead. Power to reach the nations. Power to reach the nations. You know the, that America is the third largest mission field in the world right now, specifically the western part of our nation. It's one of the reasons why me and Kara wanted to come out to the western part of our country. We wanted to plant a church in the mission field of our nation. <clears throat> Power to transform your family. Power to transform your marriage. Power to transform your children. 
power to bring, train, to bring change and transformation even to your workplace. Power to go into your calling with the authority and the power of God leading and guiding you as you go. Listen, here's the thing. I'm talking, and I'm going to specifically, I'm talking about Christians right here. We have, we have allowed ourselves and we have allowed a theology in the church world to make us believe that what Christianity is about is, is about intellectual. It's about knowledge. It's about what we know. It's about our points of belief instead of it being about the power of God. So even in the church world, we have people who will come to church every single week and they'll pray and they'll even give and they'll serve. But when it comes to a search for power, they go out and they're looking for power in crystals. They're going out and looking for power in horoscopes. They're going out and looking for power in psychics and mediums when they are betraying the very power that God made available to you. Everything else that we see in there, I'm not, saying, I'm not even gonna say it's fake, it's real, but it is a counterfeit for the real power of God and of the Holy Spirit that is available for you. So stop searching for power in all the wrong places. There's a song there. I'm not, I'm sorry, I just got stuck. Nope, not gonna do it. Okay, focus. What would happen if the church, if you and I, and every church around here, and every person who calls himself a Jesus follower, what would happen if we allowed ourselves to believe that what the Holy Spirit is, is true? And not just true in theory, not just true for somebody else, not just true for the crazy Pentecostal churches, but true for every person who has encountered Jesus. What would happen in our world when instead of us bringing arguments to people about religion, we brought powerful demonstrations of, of what God can do? And again, that's something that is, it's, on, it's on us as individuals. It's not on pastors and on people. It's on us as Jesus followers. Because God, there's never a shortage of opportunities where God has already been speaking to you like, hey, you need to pray for that person. You're like, mm, that's not me. I think I'm having a hard time hearing the voice of God. I really think that's the devil speaking. That's the devil. No. It's like, no, that's God. Devil's not going to tell you to go pray for somebody. Devil, he knows I'm not equipped. Vaults, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, actually, Jesus actually says the Holy Spirit will lead you and teach you in all things. That doesn't mean you don't need a church and don't need a pastor and don't need to read your Bible because I got the Holy Spirit. But what it means is when you're in the moments when you don't know what to do, all you have to do is say the name of Jesus. Believe the power of the Holy Spirit and watch something happen. Man, imagine what would happen in our nation if we saw a revival take place, not of just excited Christianity, but a revival of the power of God. I told this story in, uh, at the end of the last time, but I, I think now's a good time. Um, years ago, Karen and I had the opportunity to go and minister in India. And it was one of the craziest, most amazing experiences that we've ever had in our life. And we went to this one town to do a, a crusade in which, you know, you kind of go and they, they say, that, you know, these evangelists. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I go and my, my picture's up in this giant billboard. And, and this is not the story. But I didn't know that they were taking a picture of me for something like that. And I was wearing some weird hat. I just got, you know, from traveling. I'm wearing sunglasses. Looked like I was trying to look like Bono or something like that. I had no idea what was happening. I just, there's a picture, and that's what they put up on this giant billboard. It was crazy embarrassing. That's not the story. The story is this. We went to this town, and the reason why we were even going to this town to, to preach this crusade and help to launch a brand new church in the middle of nowhere, you wouldn't even know the name of the town or village, is because there was this evangelist. He was a local. And he would go from village to village, always these remote places where nobody else would go. 
And he would go and try to build a relationship with the spiritual leader of that village in this particular area. It was a very strong Hindu uh, belief village. And so he would go and he would try to, he would try to go and, and talk with the Hindu priest. And, and, uh, and so he didn't come in. He was trying to talk theological points and argue why your millions of gods are not good and our one is. He would go in and just talk about Jesus. And he was rejected, rejected, and even faced some persecution as well. Some legitimate, not American persecution, but legitimate outside persecution. And then one day, it's amazing how God causes us to wait because he's working. One day this priest comes up to the evangelist guy. He's like, okay, you say your God is real. You say your God is powerful. Well, my son is on his deathbed. And I've done everything that I know how to do. And we brought in all these others and trying to do these things. And it's getting worse and worse. So tell you what, if your God is so real and so powerful the way that you say he is, then heal my son. I don't really have to give you a ton of detail there. You can kind of figure out where this is going. He says, gladly, walks in, prays over this kid, and literally instantaneously, the sickness is gone. This kid responds. He is instantly healthy. He went from deathbed to on his feet being active instantly. And this guy fell to his knees and accepted Christ on the spot. So here's the cool. It goes further than that. It's bigger than just somebody accepting Christ. This is, the, this is what God does, and this is how God desires to operate through us today not just through theological arguments to convince somebody of who Jesus is, because if you convince them to believe, you'll have to convince them to continue to believe. But when you lead somebody in an encounter of who God is, it's really hard for the arguments of the outside thoughts to come in and change that because somebody has encountered and experienced something that has changed them. This Hindu priest continued to go to his post every day afterwards. And instead of doing what he did before, and his other faith and the other religion, as people would come to give their sacrifices and, and come to do the things they would do at the temple, he would tell them about Jesus. And he would tell them about what Jesus did for his son. And before you knew it, the entire city was saved and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we got to just show up and just talk about Jesus, and they were already ready, but we still, we still saw another 300 people get saved that day. We saw, it was crazy, we saw, we saw demons cast out. You're like, demons, is that a real thing? Here in America, we have them too. They just look different. They're dressed a little bit better. They have a little bit more modern manners. But we still have things and they need to get cast out up in here. Somebody say amen to that. Anyway, we saw, we saw people who could not walk in walk out. We saw people who came in with sicknesses and diseases and growths and legs that were shorter than others and de deformities walk out completely healed and completely whole. And you're like, well, that's, that's just miracles in another third world country. It's, that's not how it works here. The only reason why it doesn't work here is because the church has betrayed the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is calling us back to operate in crazy faith. And what's crazy faith? It's simply believing what Jesus said. It's simply look, reading through the book of Acts and realizing that story, after these aren't fictional stories, account after account after account of these same basic men and women who used to just follow Jesus are now going out and doing the thing that Jesus taught them to do, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're seeing demons cast out. They're seeing the sick raised up. They're seeing people come to know Christ by the thousands. Jesus literally said, you will do even greater works than I have done, and they began to see it. And it's not done today. It's not done, but we've got to tap into the very thing that the disciples tapped into, that the early Jesus followers tapped into. It's not supposed to make you weird and kooky and all of a sudden you can't relate to people around you. It's supposed to make you a real person, but who's filled with real power. 
They're so different, you know, it's, and that's where sometimes I think it can get a little weird because we feel like in order to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit, we all of a sudden have to act like a bunch of supernatural weirdos. No, stop being weird. Be normal, but be normal with the power of God. You don't have to like float up into your work office and announce that the Holy Spirit has arrived. That's when they call security. But you walk in, you clock in, you're present when things are happening. And when your coworker starts talking about how their marriage is falling apart, boom, that's when you insert yourself and begin to pray. You're like, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I know someone who does. Can I pray with you? Somebody who comes, man, my kid, I just got a diagnosis, my kid is sick, my kid's got this and that. Hey, do you mind if, can I, can I pray with them? Can I pray with you? Just allow the Holy Spirit to come into these moments to do what he can do. But when we don't invite him, God doesn't push his way through. We've got to make room for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit came to do. What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? The word waiting, all throughout Scripture, there's, there's different you know, Greek and Hebrew words in the original language they use. But every single one of them that, that is connected to waiting on God has this one thing in common. It's a verb. I don't know about you, waiting. I'm going to grab a chair. Uh, Jabari, can you bring me this chair? I'm just... If you were a dream team night, I'm on a roll with object lessons. I just want you all to know right that I'm feeling good. So, so when, when, you, when you and me, like if we go to a restaurant um, and, and we get waited on, we're not going to the kitchen and cooking food, right? We're waiting. So for that, you know, for us, we think waiting, all right, I'm waiting. This is, this is waiting. And so then we translate that to, to waiting on the Lord. You're like, all right, God says he's going to do something. So, all right, waiting on the Lord. Any, any time now, any time now. Anybody heard anything from the Lord? I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting on the Lord. You know, it's like, no, that's, that's not waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is not you sitting back doing nothing. Waiting on the Lord is a verb. Waiting on the Lord is an action. Do you know what the, what the early, uh, what these followers of Jesus did while they were waiting? It says that in Acts chapter, or, or no, sorry, in the first part uh, of chapter one, verse 14, it says that while they were waiting, they were constantly in prayer together. And so, and they were praying because they were asking for something. They didn't even know what they were asking for. They were in prayer together because they were praying about the things that, that would happen after they received what Jesus said he was going to send. They were, even in, they were even building their team. They had kind of lost one. His name was Judas. It didn't work out too well. And they were replacing who Judas was. They were with another. They were building their team while they waited. They were engaged in, in, the, in the work that God had called them to do. They were engaged in community. They were engaged with each other. They were engaged in prayer. They were engaged in seeking the Lord. So waiting on the Lord is an action. Waiting on the Lord is movement. Waiting on the Lord means I'm going to serve while I wait for God to come through. Waiting on the Lord means I'm going to be present with everyone else while I'm waiting for the Lord to come through. Waiting on the Lord means I am going to actually serve other people while I'm waiting on the Lord. Because I'm not just waiting to take over because God's not being fast enough. Okay, finally, okay, God, I got this. I'll do this. No, waiting on the Lord means, okay, I'm going to be engaged, God, in trusting you because I know you're doing something in me. I know you're doing something for me. And I know you're going to do something through me as I wait upon the Lord. Come on, we've got to see this in a whole new light. Don't think that the Holy Spirit is just for super spiritual people. Don't think that the Holy Spirit is some, some hyper-religious thing that it only belongs to a certain denomination of belief of people. No, we've, we've messed it up over the years, I'll admit. We've got to go back to what it's supposed to be. A powerful God. A powerful Holy Spirit that's not simply tucked away in our spirit trying to help us not go to hell. 
but a Holy Spirit that baptizes and dominates every fiber of who we are, that empowers our relationships and empowers our marriages, that empowers who we are, where God's placed us in community, that empowers us in our cities and in our regions because God has called us together as a church and is growing the church and adding people to the church, not so that we can celebrate who we are as a church, but so that the momentum of who we are as a church through the power of the Holy Spirit can spill out and begin to make an impact in the world around us. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I'll use this term loosely, but I'm kind of tired of rolling over and allowing the enemy to just have his way. Just as a point of testimony, and for those of you that were here last week, you know, last week we prayed for, uh, for a young man who was, in, who, was, uh, who was shot in an incident. It was in critical care. We literally prayed, and within a short period of time, we heard immediately after that that he was able to breathe on his own, and now he's at home. He's recovering. He's in critical care. We didn't know what was going to happen, and now he's, like, that's, that's what happens when we decide not to be like, oh, man, that's such sad news. Man, all right, just... Uh, thoughts and prayers, but we actually don't think or pray. We just say things, and then we go on with our own life. Well, I guess, I guess we'll just let the enemy have that one. No. And then right after that, we were getting word from, from my wife and from Chantel that they were having issues getting into the country. Total spiritual battle. So what did we do? We prayed. And guess what? God, in the waiting, orchestrated some crazy things. Some of it I can't even talk about that we would never be able to orchestrate. Why? Because we took it to the Lord. Why, why would we in our own personal lives allow the enemy to have his way in our families, with our kids, with our jobs, with our health, our, our health and our wellness, even our emotional uh, well-being? Why would we allow the enemy to have his way with us when we are uh, connected to the very power that could transform that? We've got to stand for it. We've got to stand for what God wants to do inside of us. Son, come on up, get on the keys with me and uh, not with me. I'm not actually going to touch them at all. Um, it's just you. We're not going to do a duet, I promise. <clears throat> Man, I, I so desperately want our church and want you. I so desperately want you to encounter the Holy Spirit in the way that the early church experienced the Holy Spirit. Without any of those, you know, thousands of years and even modern day variations and versions and translations of who we think the Holy Spirit is and what's for today and what's not for today. And just embrace the word of God about the spirit of God for what it says. And understand the way that God copied it throughout history. And even even in modern history, the movements of God that have taken place, the revivals that have taken place historically that have impacted and shaped nations and people and leaders and movements and miracles and signs and wonders. And, and again, this, this message so much connects to people that are in the church and are Jesus followers. And I realize for our church, the type of church we are, we always have people here that you're not there yet. And we like it that way because we know that you are on a journey and God, literally, there is a waiting that is taking place because God's doing something in you, he's doing something for you, and he's doing something through you. And there will come a time when you realize that, hey, you need to surrender and stop fighting, but surrender to who God is because he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want a religion with you. But I know for most of us within the church world and with the church background and, and, and been in, in different denominations and different movements and different thoughts and what, and, and I'm not saying that me as an individual has everything perfectly figured out and nobody else does. 
I'm not, gonna, I'm not even gonna dare to bring some type of arrogant thought like that. All I'm hoping to lead you in, church, is that this is what I see in the word of God. This is also what I've experienced in my own life. Anybody can have an argument, but when you have an experience, it, it kind of tends to make the arguments melt away. I don't wanna argue with people about what the Holy Spirit looks like. I just wanna, I wanna be open and welcome the Holy Spirit in my life. Let the Holy Spirit have freedom through my life and watch what God does through it. And be patient in the waiting. So when it comes to receiving everything that the Holy Spirit is and wants to be for you, it's actually called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it's not just the Holy Spirit coming to inhabit your spirit and transform you so that you can be saved, but as a body, soul, and spirit, baptism. Baptism literally means full immersion. That's why when we baptize people in water, full immersion. For some of the right ones, hold them there for a second. No, I'm joking. Full immersion. God doesn't want a piece of you. He wants everything. He doesn't just want to empower you for your life. He wants to empower you through you for others. And the faster we get a hold of that, and the faster we, we, we let go of our inhibitions when it comes to the Lord, and the faster we let go of our fears, because really, at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? It's just, I don't know, like, what if, what, if I, what if I do something and nothing happens? Or what if I pray for somebody and nothing happens? Don't worry about that. It's not your job to manufacture results. It's your job to be obedient and watch the Holy Spirit do a work. Because maybe the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody miraculously, boom, in the moment. But maybe there's a waiting that God wants to take somebody through because he's trying to develop something. Our job is literally just to be obedient to make sure that we bring the Holy Spirit into these moments. Whether it's in our family, whether it's in business, whether it's in our community, whether it's in the church, it doesn't matter. God's called us to be empowered by his Spirit to influence every single sphere of life. So I wanna pray for you. And I pray today that you would begin a process, whether it's instantaneous or whether it's a waiting journey, but that you would allow yourself to be wide open to experiencing the, the full baptism of the Holy Spirit in all its wonder, in all its power, and even in all of its unknown. Because for these followers, it was 100% unknown. They had no idea what was coming. And it says in Acts chapter 2, can we put that one up on the screen? I think we've got that one. Acts chapter 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. I love that. They were gathering. And I'm not for one second going to neglect the fact that over this last year, year and a half, there has been a, an attack on the gathering of the body of Christ. Our dream team night, we talked about that a little bit more. It says, suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly, because when we're waiting... You don't know when God's gonna do what God wants to do. And we have these suddenly moments where God says, now's the time. Suddenly God begins to move. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. They're just trying to describe what they're experiencing the best they can. And it says, and everyone present was filled, somebody say filled, filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It started with them gathering. It started with them believing. It started with them obeying what Jesus said. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. And guess what? They didn't stop, conclude the service, slap high fives, say, hey, that was so good. Let's get together and do it again next week. No, it spilled out of the upper room into the city. And as a result, 
Thousands came to know Jesus that day. Thousands were baptized and the church was started. As a matter of fact, the very guy that just a couple of weeks before had denied that he even knew who Jesus was, Peter, got up and through the power of the Holy Spirit began to preach the very first message of the gospel that was ever preached. He had a good day. Saw 3,000 people get saved, baptized, added to the church. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.